I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. All right, everybody, welcome back to uh, the Constellation podcast. Uh, Ted Cupper is with me as always. How are you doing today, Ted? I am good. How are you doing today, John? Uh, I'm good. Um, I am ready to see what you have written since you are in the spotlight today. That's right. It was my week. So uh, I think we said last time which uh, which uh, uh, beats I was doing. So I was I was doing three beats and... Uh, they ended up taking up 10 pages, which is, I think, pretty decent as far as we're, I think we're roughly. It's about what we've been trading off is about 10 pages, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, that's... yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's good. I think we are, start... I'm starting to figure out something about the pacing of it. And um, I also want to say that we had a little bit of a discussion. I think this was off mic last time. I'm actually not sure. Um, about exactly how we're going to present the exec we had originally considered it as being like an auditory assistant and then we realized that we had found ourselves writing kind of a lot of interfaces for it to work through and it's kind of arbitrary it could of course do all these things but we were just trying to figure out what the clean thing is to do for how we present it in the comic so it's not confusing and i don't know just as a try i just went ahead with this one and did it as if it was auditory only and I didn't try to change anything that we had already done, of course, because we're not doing that. But I just, I, if the listeners are a little bit confused, like why the exec is working like this now, this is just me trying to work out how would that be different and um, is it better and what do we want to do here? So it's not so much a we have to do it this way kind of decision that I've made, but I just decided to commit to it and try it in this, in this uh, section. Right. So the, I mean, the exec talking is something too, that was in, uh, the short story and it makes sense. I mean, it's supposed to talk. It's just like, you know, it, I guess it's supposed to sort of talk in your head. Right. So I think maybe the only challenge is, uh, do we make sure that it's clear that when it's talking, like only one character is hearing it. Right. It seems right. To me like, and we might do that with some kind of graphic way of setting aside the text. Um, so I didn't even try to decide what that would be. I just mentioned that that is going to be a standard stylized way that we're going to present the exec's text. I mean, I think the other challenge with the exec as well is, but the exec is maybe a little bit like accessing a command line. Like it's sort of the most fundamental interface. So yeah. like a lot of the places we've been dramatizing have been these very built up worlds that people have worked on that are used by a lot of people as sort of core infrastructure. So in that context, it maybe makes sense that we had all these interfaces in the prior scenes, but it's also maybe just confusing to mix and match. Right. That's exactly yeah. why I thought that's exactly the, the sort of thought process that I'd had when I was coming up with some of those interfaces. And uh, yeah, and I think that's exactly right. I think even if it does make sense, it might be just better for the comic to always have a standard way. And we also mentioned like the beginning of the comic, which is when they, uh, when Tim is actually doing some programming, some last minute programming on his world is a perfect opportunity for us to see some more raw exec interaction, which might be almost command line like, like he might've built a little 
interface for himself inside the world to issue commands even faster um, that, uh, you know, right now we're not seeing. So at some point we might go back and change some of this stuff. Um, but for now, I just wanted to try a, a purely auditory exec with the assumption that, right, we figure out some strategy to let you know that the exec is talking to the speaker and, um, you know, you might even use colors to code each exec to the person talking and stuff like that so that it's very, very clear um, that they are, you know, connected. Um, or another thing we could do is we could use like thought bubble type um, connections to show that they are only, you know, that the audio is playing back in the mind of the um, chosen person. So anyway, these are, these are decisions we can make later. Uh, all right. Shall we jump into it? Shall we start with page 36? Okay. So I'm going to be Tim. That's right. I'm going to make some sound effects. So if you hear some weird sounds or attempts at sound effects, don't be confused. And you're going to do everything else. Right? That's right. I'm going to read the narration and then the Zoya and the other characters that come up. Uh, I'll read those as well. Um, and we will uh, say the names as much as we can remember to do uh, before the dialogues too, because I think that helps everybody follow along. So here we go. Uh, it is page 36. And the first panel is a long panel showing the Agorian Bazaar which we've already seen. Uh, some action lines surrounding him indicate that Tim has just teleported in. Uh, his exec speaks to him in the standard way. Pop. Uh, so the exec says, <clears throat> welcome to Agoria, Tim. And Tim says, any new contract activity? Exec, I'll check. Panel two, close on Tim, listening intently. Exec, your contract with Zoya Hall activated seven minutes ago. Tim, I need the next available private room. Next panel is a new row. We're in a private tent similar to where they signed the contract. A fire burns in the center. Some action lines in the center of the frame indicate Tim is about to teleport in, but no one is here yet. Next panel, same exact frame, but now Tim has popped in. Some lines around him remaining. He's already speaking to the exec as he arrives. Pop. And Tim says, call up her history where I can see it. New row. Panel five takes up the whole row and Tim looks at the fire above which is projected a spreadsheet-like table of numerical URLs and timestamps showing where Zoya has been lately. Uh, and I noted uh, for us, we should make this table and it should correspond to the hidden story beats, right? So all the places Zoya has been that we haven't told you about should be secretly encoded on this piece of paper. <laughs> um, well, we also, I mean, I don't want to interject too much, but we yeah. also could hide those numbers somewhere when we change worlds yeah there's like a subtle way to do that there might be a way to do that i think we should look into something like that i think that would be a fun little uh easter egg uh, and he's pointing at the most recent one and tim says take me there yes so that's taking us to the next page um so the first panel of the next page is a long panel that spans all the rows uh so it's it's going down the edge of the page right um so uh, vertical. Like a long, yeah, like a single column of the page, uh, the left-hand side, is taken up by panel one. And it's a steep cliff dropping off to a molten lava pit at the bottom of the page. And at the top of the page, top of the panel, very small, about three feet from the ledge in the middle of the air, Tim has just popped in. And the exec says, welcome to the Altoff lobby. Uh, the next panel is an aerial shot pointed downward, on Tim, who's falling fast toward the terrifying lava pit below. However, he seems delighted. 
Exec says, watch your step. And uh, Tim is just laughing like a madman. Ha ha ha. Next panel, Tim, who was falling back first, is now bent back, his head going backward and feet kicking up. Next panel, Tim has formed his body into a swan dive. He approaches the lava. Speed lines indicate his velocity. Tim says, I know I haven't signed any contract yet. You have no permissions to do anything to me. But still, I admit... Panel five, Tim plunges into the lava ocean. For a second there, I was scared. So I was thinking that would come out of out of the ocean, you know, like he's already plunged into it. Um, panel six is a serene blue sky full of puffy ca- puffy clouds. Uh, panel seven, Tim explodes out of the nearest cloud down toward, and we jump onto the next page. Panel one, where we're back at the same cliff. Tim approaches it from a, above this time, still far from the ledge. Panel two, as the ledge flies by him. Uh, and Tim says, hmm... Maybe I'm supposed to get on the ledge? Panel three, another swan dive. Uh, Panel four, another cloud is burst out from. Panel five, Tim reaches out, but is inches from the ledge. Damn it. Okay, next page. Uh, Now we are on the first panel. It's an aerial view. We see the ledge and the lava. Tim is falling. Panel two is close uh, up of the ledge. Tim's hand barely reaches it. Panel three is a different angle on the ledge. Tim, who now holds two hands on the ledge, pulls himself up. Panel four, Tim stands up on the cliff. Panel five, before him, there's a long rickety rope bridge across a giant lava pit to another ledge where he can barely make out what looks like an old-fashioned wooden office desk. Panel six, Tim's eyes narrow as he thinks. Panel seven, a larger panel showing Tim, the drop-off behind him, and the treacherous path ahead. He's tentatively stepping out onto the rope bridge. The desk can be seen in the distance. Ominous smoke or a flying dinosaur might be visible in the far, far distance. (laughs) Okay, now we're on to the next page. This is the first panel. Tim is on the scary bridge, which sways back and forth. And Tim says, careful, don't fall in the pit of burning lava. Panel two, Tim dodges a flying dinosaur that emerges from the pit. Watch out for the flying dinos. Tim jumps and avoids the dino's fire breath. And their fire breath goes. Tim is about halfway across the bridge. He looks up at the desk. I was honestly expecting this to be harder. A whir commences and some machinery at the end of the bridge creaks to life. Tim looks back to see the bridge is somehow moving like an escalator going the wrong way. The wooden planks are returning to the starting cliff. It's moving, Tim says. That's pretty cool. Murr, murr, murr. Murr, murr, some kind of <laughs> some, sound yeah. effect. Yeah. yeah, some kind of like, yeah, <laughs> machine effect. Okay, uh, and the last panel on that page is a long panel that shows multiple Tims jumping forward in time, but all overlaid on the same spot, getting no closer to the far ledge. Just gotta outrun it. Tim says. Yeah, so it's like he's, you know, running in place on this sort of treadmill bridge. Okay, so the next page, panel one, Tim is still stuck in the center of the moving rope bridge, only now we see a dinosaur flying up behind him, flame breath spitting. The panel is composed from behind the desk, looking back at Tim. Around the desk, about five or so clump members, all with different avatars from cartoonish to normal homo sapiens, have recently teleported in. Several more are still popping into existence. And Tim says, don't mind me, I'm fine. A human club member says, how is he still on there? A cartoon bunny club member says, this is the longest I've ever seen one of them hold on. And then a woman club member says, not the longest. The next panel, Tim looks up at the newly assembled crowd. 
He's continuing to outrun the conveyor bridge, but just barely. A familiar head pops up in the back of the crowd far away. Tim says, and this is maybe a thought bubble. But yeah, I, I uh, wasn't sure about that, so that's a question. Sorry. <laughs> I'm attracting a lot of attention, but I guess that could all be faked. Panel three, closer on the group with the familiar head and back, as if from Tim's point of view. And Tim says, wait, that's... Next panel's even closer. Here we clearly see Zoya popping her head above the crowd to see Tim. Panel five, T- Tim sees Zoya and makes eye contact. Panel six, Zoya sees Tim. She's terrified of what he's going to do. Okay, next page, first panel. A bigger group of club members, including Zoya, are peering over the ledge. Dinosaurs attack from multiple directions. Tim says, seriously, I'm willing to run this treadmill forever. That's how much I want to get into Altaf. Panel two, the members look around and murmur to themselves. Murr, 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 murr. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's the murmuring they're that's making? That's the murmuring they're doing, yeah, because you can't, okay. it's too far away to hear what they're saying. I see, but, okay. I don't know. Indistinct talking indistinct talking chatter 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 yeah um so basically they're like i was thinking they were saying something along the lines of you know how did he know the name of altov but you know um maybe they don't actually literally say that panel three uh tim is being thrown from the bridge toward the lava pit so like the you know the uh, the bridge has, has 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 shook him loose tim okay i'm not into torturing my audience i can take a hint unlike some sadists Panel four, Tim blinks out of existence just inches from a dino's open jaws. Panel five, Zoya looks relieved. Panel six, most of the crowd disperses. Zoya is among those remaining. Then in panel seven, it's the same shot as panel six, but everyone, including Zoya, is gone. The sound effects sit just where Zoya just was. Pop. All right, so that takes us to the next page. And in the first panel... Zoya pops into a movie theater-esque lobby with a marquee reading, Bukhari's masterpiece, Sticks and Stones. Zoya says, One, please. And her exact answer is, The entrance contract for this world requires turning pain dampening to 10% or less. Zoya says, I'm okay with that. So next panel, long rows of pews line a room shaped like the interior of a boat. Zoya is in the center aisle looking for a seat. Some of the rows are occupied, but the place is not very crowded. Tim is seated up front. Next panel, Zoya approaches Tim's row just as a rock smashes him in the head. And the sound effect goes thwomp, and Tim goes, ow! Next panel, Zoya sits down. Tim, thank God you're here. I hate this place. Let's relocate to mine. Uh, Zoya says, fine with me. What's the address? Next panel, Tim and Zoya both get clobbered by sticks of unknown origin. And Tim says, oof. Zoya, I And Tim shouts, eject! Zoya says, eject! Panel six, same angle, but they're both gone. <laughs> okay, next page. This is page 44. First panel is Tim's world. A pleasant modernist design with lots of plants everywhere. Books, posters, and trophies fill bookcases that line every wall that isn't a window. Zoya looks around. Tim pours two glasses of water from a pitcher. Zoya says, So this is you? I like it. Why do you turn thirst on? Tim, just because I like drinking water. Care to try? Panel two, they sit on the couch. Tim looks at Zoya. Zoya drinks. Is it good? Zoya, mid-nod. Yeah, you're going to be cool about the Altov thing, right? Because showing up there was... Tim seems to understand. I get it. A little impulsive. But here's the thing. Tim leans towards Zoya. I need you to get me in there. There's nothing I can do. It's invite only. Uh, Tim exclaims with his arms out. But you're in. 
You can invite me. I don't think so. Next page. Medium on Tim, now pacing, explaining with his hands. You don't even know how it works yet. Just ask somebody if you can sponsor a friend or something. Panel two, close on Zoya, eyes set. Or what? Zoya and Tim stare each other down. I mean, are we going there? Yeah. What are you going to do if I don't? The next panel is Tim centered, looking stone cold. I mean... I guess I could go back to the Altoff lobby and, you know, tell someone how I found out about their super secret world address. Panel five, larger panel of both of them circling each other. But you're not going to do that, right? No, because we're friends and you're going to figure something out, right? Maybe. Panel six, Tim drinks the rest of his water. Panel seven, Zoya looks back at Tim, who is in silhouette in the foreground. Well, look, I'll give you three months. Figure something out by then. Next panel, even closer on Tim, dead serious. Or I'll have to try another tactic. So that's the end of today's pages. What did you think, John? It, yeah, it feels like it's functional, but yeah, it does. it's not at... Well, actually, I like this. I do like this concept that he's essentially playing a really hard platform game <laughs> to get through the lobby. That's kind of what it seemed like in my head. Right, right. Um, well, he just, yeah, he, he's, he, he's just refusing to eject. So, you know, nothing can really happen to him except like just scary looking things. Um, although the specifics of it, you know, who knows if like a cliff and lava is the good stuff. But I just, um, I remembered the desk from your original story, and I thought that was a cool image, and I wanted to incorporate that, and. Yeah, there was uh, yeah, there was something like the, with a cliff the de- too. The, the desk yeah. was like I think with a herd of elephants or something. There was di- there was differences with it, but I just remember that aspect of it, and I wanted to re- retain that. And then um, I like you know we had talked about there being a crowd, and I was thinking about like well, why is there like couldn't they just watch this from like an observation deck somewhere? But maybe um, you know they're just being looky loos, and maybe they're popping in there to just you know make fun of him basically. Um, I'm willing to accept them like so, teleporting in or having a even a viewing area. I mean, so is the desk like acting? Because I think he makes it to the desk in the other story, right? Because there's like yes. a weird. And yes. this, and this is kind of like the MacGuffin he's trying to reach, right? Because he doesn't get to it, right? Or does he? Yeah, in this version, he doesn't get to it, and he could. I thought about you know if I wanted to make him even better at like manipulating the world. He could have like caught a dragon and like or a dinosaur and um, rode it up to the desk, right? I thought that was like I'd already sort of built something in that he could have done if he wanted to, if I wanted to have him get there. And then uh, I just didn't think of an interesting enough thing to happen at the desk um, to warrant that. But if we think of one, I'm open to it. Um, so like the thinking here, I'm from there. I'm trying to think of this from Altoff's point of view, right? Yeah. So they, this is like, well, just, people are gonna crash our world. It's sort of inevitable. I mean, it's, they're not supposed to know where it is, but some people are gonna. But crash like it. not not zero, right? Some amount of people might. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we could just have, you know, an empty lobby that says this is private, go away. But because we're Altoff. We're going to design some ridiculous video game, essentially. But one that's linear, right? Because he keeps spawning at the beginning of it. I mean, this is sort of like a Groundhog Day or like uh, Edge of Tomorrow thing. uh, You know, I didn't go with him respawning. I mean, that is definitely possible. Like, he could die and eject and re-enter each time. But what I actually had was, like, he just figures out that the lava is sort of 
like kind of like a you know if you go off the bottom you come back the top like kind of like pac-man or something like just it's just oh is that how that works i just thought he respawned okay yeah so it's just goofy like that so that's how i was thinking of it now i'm not married to that particular rule that was just something that popped in my head um but uh I think, yeah, the idea is that they made it into an infuriating video game of the type that just gets harder and harder, but you can never win. And I think they just did that because they thought it would be funny to see what idiot seekers would put themselves through before giving up. And then what can they do? Because, like, you know, when you... You said you didn't sign a contract, right? So... When you enter a lobby and you haven't signed any kind of contract. Right. Um, well, you have actually signed a contract, right? You've signed like some sort of very standard thing or, you know, this is something that I'm a little fuzzy on, to be honest, and probably shouldn't be. Right. Well, so I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't figure out how you can sign a contract. It's sort of implicit, I guess, but but it seems like it's like the default contract, which is just true in all lobbies, right? It's like there's some kind of like... Uh, you can see each other obviously and you can interact those permissions have to be set and then like everything else is probably set to off just as like a maximum safety sort of um like i mean why would you be able to feel pain in the lobby it's like just a place where you're choosing so yeah i mean yeah audio and visual you know permissions are obviously set but like what else would need to be set Although, wait, does everywhere, it's not like everywhere it has to have a lobby, right? Because, uh, no, no, I you mean, can if have it, open worlds that don't require a lobby, right? That just, uh, you don't need to give us any special permissions to come here. Well, right? it's funny. I was almost going to say the opposite, right? Because like, like a truly closed world wouldn't need a lobby at all, right? But like. A sort of in like a it's these like big infrastructure worlds really need a lobby right because they want to be right want to be open they want to be able but to then they need to like, filter you after right, you get in right exactly they want to be open but they want to discriminate on privileges and Altoff, you know obviously is hierarchical and discriminates on privileges within the world we've already decided that um but there is a contract you are signing an implicit contract that maybe is Maybe we're not dramatizing it because it's happening like in your mind with the exec or something. Right. But there would be some kind of contract. Yeah. Well, so we could phrase that a little differently. Like he could just say, you know, I've only, I've only granted standard permissions here. So you can't really do anything to me or, you know, something like that. Um, but I wonder if we could just show him getting, I mean, like, what do you think of like doing a respawn thing where we just like repeatedly show him getting like, our main character getting killed right in various ways in every panel but he like keeps right but, but he then keeps... he like the next panel he's dodging the thing that just killed him and but, getting killed by something well, right else, so you know? it's like the first time you'd have to show him ejecting being like oh i guess i died i'll try again and then doing it again and then i think you don't have to keep showing it after that yeah you don't have to set that up once you just have to do it once yeah i mean i it was something i considered and i just decided to try it this other way where like he's knowledgeable enough about how these things are put together that he realizes how to just not die um so so he's like annoyingly staying alive even though he can't make that much progress but yeah i'm not like opposed to just having them 
kill him a whole bunch of times and he just keeps coming back. That's it's very similar idea. It's just, you know, maybe that's funnier because you can see him getting killed. I don't know. That's um, kind of like what I realize that's not exactly what you wrote, but for some reason that's almost how I experienced it. Was I was sort of uh-huh yeah well so i think they're that. similar enough that it won't take much to make it from what it is into that yeah um i guess because like yeah just because it felt really video gamey to me uh with like the ledge and the and the bridge and everything um yeah it does feel like um a video game and i think it's supposed to feel like oh this is what i'm supposed to do but of course it's a trap like you're not supposed to do anything like you're not supposed to be there <laughs> so it's never going to work and you're never going to get whatever it is that you're trying to get. Um, which I think is, you know, that maybe gives you some indication of how this club is. Right. Well, it makes sense that they would have like maybe a viewing area and like, yeah, I mean, they, they already like, so yeah, I don't think it's too weird that they would, I guess you're questioning like, why would they need to be visible to Tim? I guess, but I don't know. Why not? Maybe like part of the part they they can heckle the person, right? Like that's part of the Yeah, and I'm imagining the these are not high-ranking members of the club. These are like her fellow inductees and stuff that are like, you know, they, this is a novelty for them. They haven't seen this happen before, so they're interested in it for that reason. Um or what, what is it they or many they times say... before? Because I guess one of them is like, I've never seen one hold on this long. But that doesn't imply that they've seen it very many times. I mean, that implies they've seen it rarely, perhaps. So, I don't know. Yeah, I it, it could be... It could all be shifted around. But this is the, the structure that I got for it. And I think the rough amount of story per page feels about right as we're reading it through. So that part of it I'm happy about. We can we can fiddle with the details. I think that's right. Um, I uh, so we have the uh, yeah the Bukhari reference. He's the the filmmaker that that Tim or not. He's not a filmmaker. He's but sort he's of a, a world world he's maker. A world builder that uh, that that Tim hates. So he yeah. makes the reference, and that's how she knows to go to that world, which we've which we've talked about. Yeah, and I so I just um, used what you had planted earlier, and of course we can shift that if we want to, but it just made me laugh to think of him as being the Lars von Trier of world makers, and he makes a world called Sticks and Stones that just literally hurls sticks and stones at you at random intervals <laughs> and forces you to put your pain at a low number. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think. So you I mean, can yeah, feel the sticks and stones as they hit you. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely dumb, but I'm kind of making fun of this, so that's you know. Yeah, it fits uh, well enough for now. Uh, I was just thinking about like, do we st still? We still need that reference, right? I mean, the idea is like he needs to like get a coded message to her. Um. Yeah. I guess yeah. he has access to her history but does she well she would have access to his as well is right so i was just wondering like this is something i guess this is a bit of a tangent but this is something i thought of the other day which is that they do have another way to find each other that we've already planted yeah right? yeah um uh, yeah and uh, we can either 
tweak this or we can change it to that. I, the only thing about it going the other way is then we, I think it's a little bit harder to show cause we, she has to then go and look up his history and then follow him there. I mean, I guess that's all right. Cause we've seen him do it so we could watch her go to Agoria and then we just could be kind of going back to the same place, but actually I think it's fine. Yeah. We could do either one. I, I, I don't, I don't feel strongly. It has to be this way. I think, you know, there's something funny to me about them making some kind of reference and it doesn't have to be this one. If uh, we decide we don't like this one anymore. Um, that's but, just something uh, that, that occurred to me. I yeah, mean, it's, it, it's fine the other way too. Mm-hmm. The, um, I think the plot thing, I think, okay. So here's my, cause this is, this all is like structurally working and very similar to what we have always planned on. Mm-hmm. But the plot thing I'm wondering is, for the blackmail to work, we really like, and we can't show Zoya's point of view yet, the way we've just des- designed this story. Right. But we need to know the stakes here. And I think maybe it all has to happen like in the sequence where Tim is in this like horrible lobby trying to beat this game right where like i'm just wondering if this needs to be longer i mean we have the opportunity to show the club people watching mm-hmm. right and tim has the opportunity to like shout stuff at them and they have the opportunity to heckle him um and i wonder if like we need to draw out there that like okay yeah he's gotten farther than other people and yeah, this is sort of a fun thing to watch, but also he's not supposed to be there at all. This is like kind of a violation and like, how does he know that about this place? And like, maybe he comes more, maybe he's not as smooth about it. And he like comes more close to like outing Zoya right then and there. Like, I feel like, do we have to like put her in more jeopardy? Like to make this really clear? Cause I don't, I just don't know that people are going to really grasp that dynamic. Well, that's all worth. Yeah. That's all worth considering. Um, I'm not sure. I think, yeah, I have room for like where I put the murmurs in, we could add some stuff about them saying he shouldn't even know the name Altoff and all of that. Um, and I think there's some space, you know, in page 41, um to you could expand that into two pages and you could give some more room where he's um kind of pitching himself to the club members and saying like you know i really want an invitation uh you know i'd be really valuable to you guys whatever um he could be making whatever pitch he wants to make uh, and they could be making fun of him or whatever it is they're doing. Um, I could see that stuff fitting in here pretty easily. Um, and yeah, as far as people catching, ha- you know, what the stakes are for Zoya, I'm of two minds on it. On the one hand, I think you're probably right that we could make that more clear. On the other hand, if we don't make it more clear, then, you know, at this point, the story still feels like Tim's story and we don't know whether whether he's just made a good play or not, you know? So in a way, 
I think I'm, I think I'm maybe more tolerant of that being a, mi- a mystery because maybe I'm reading it and I'm going, is, is this blackmail going to work or is, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really questioning whether it's going to work or not. And then of course, after we come back from the interstitial, it will look like it worked. So that'll sort of look like we answered that question, but then there is, it's not quite as simple as that in reality. Um, I think, I guess maybe what I'm reacting to, because I was just talking about, you know, the part with the coded message, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe what I feel like is that we don't, maybe those things are linked in my mind. Like, if we want this sort of coded, you know, spy-to-spy spy message to work, right, uh-huh. and to be like a good moment, then I think we have to be feeling the tension that Zoya is feeling. Uh you know, to some degree or like understand those stakes. Otherwise I don't get, we don't get that they're talking in code or why they would be talking in code or what that's all about. Um, yeah. You so know, what, I think, you yeah. know, what occurs to me might do a lot of work for that is just a couple of lines coming from the club members in the, in that shot that I'm currently have them just murmuring. Uh, we could have one of them say, how does, you know, how does he know the name of Altaf and another one say someone's going to get in deep trouble when they find out who leaked it, you know, something along those lines. Um, well, and if that's like, right, if we that hear that set those dialogue in like a hanging clear, over the, them looking at each other or something. Yeah. Or just right. over Zoya's head as she stands there, potentially that could, yeah, I think that will like sort of spell out those stakes without too much. Yeah. I think work. if we're going to do the, the secret message, we, we need something like that. Um, also I put this note earlier in the script, but all is all supposed to be like a secret, like broadly, like I wasn't I, like, like, uh, like that's people how don't I've know always, the name of it. I've always thought it was the secret name, you know, like that some people know who are like obsessed with it, like Tim, but that is not widely known. Around, but the, what about the club itself? Is the club widely known, or are you just saying the name that particular no, name? No, I is think not? the club should be you know, it's like a it's like a rumor, it's like something people have sort of vaguely heard of, but they probably haven't even heard the name, or you know, uh, interesting because I've always I was definitely conceiving of it as like people knew about this thing pretty well because mm-hmm. like that's what. That's what makes it appealing, right? That's why it's like a high status thing for Tim. Well, the right kind of people know about it, I guess. But it's how many of those people are, I don't know. I guess. Um, but yeah, it's certainly I've, somebody. Some people have to know about it, or it doesn't confer the status, right? Well, because so. it's like I guess if it's like a secret society. I mean, there's two kinds of secret societies, right? There's a secret society that literally like, does this even exist? Is this even operational, right? Maybe right? There's the kind where it's like, everybody knows it exists. They just don't know what happens in the clubhouse, right? Right, um, right. I mean, no one, yeah, like, I mean, everyone knew like this. I don't know if everyone knew, but like, I don't know. I feel like something like Skull and Bones, like they had like a place like on campus, right? Or like. You know, our Scientology right. they were secret obviously... in the sense that they didn't publish their membership, but they're not secret in the sense of like n- not claiming to exist. Or like Scientology, which is not just a secret society, really, but a religion that we reference a lot when we're thinking about this. Like, you know, they have very obvious signs with their name on it. It's just like, you know, you have to 
like go i mean it's not that hard now to go online and read about them but like you know they don't like publish again they're like what's going on inside their their doors um so i guess i thought it was kind of like that like people know what all is they just don't know like the details um not that that's super important like i think that can remain kind of in a in a vague space until we feel like we need to pin that down but that was definitely something i was noticing yeah Um, that's i guess we'll have to make a decision on that i don't feel strongly it has to be one way or another but i think i was conceiving it a little differently um i yeah i like oh so you've got the uh then they go to his they go to his place um yeah and that's someplace I know I sort of didn't do a ton of details. I I know we need to design his place, but it required like deciding a lot of his past, which I hadn't done yet. So I I kind of uh, punted that a little bit. We can add a little bit of detail there as we uh, revise. But they've got the water and like, I like that because like Zoya's maybe never drunk water. Right, or she just know, doesn't do it much. Yeah, exactly. Because she's born in the... Uh, well, yeah, she probably has for some kind of world experience, but, like, she's born in the Constellation, so it's not second nature like it is for Tim. Yeah. And I feel like Tim's not much of a defaultist, but that was, like, one thing where I could imagine, you know, just for the nostalgic pleasure of it, you'd just turn on just enough thirst to make drinking water fun. Um I like that. So, yeah. I, as by way of exposition, we should I guess like something to note for later is like how do we ever know that Zoya is uh born in the constellation? Um Oh yeah. Yeah, that's something that one of them could remark on either here or somewhere else. I mean, they're always having kind of um generation gap issues a little bit in their conversations, so I think we can find a place for it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something... I mean, I think that's, like, that's a fun dynamic. That's, like, one of the weirder things about the world we've created. It's, like, some mm-hmm. people were born in a simulated world and some people weren't. Yeah. So we should probably, you know, without forcing it too hard, we should probably try to get that in, like, an early line of dialogue. Yeah, that's um, a good thing to look for. Uh, But cool. Yeah, I mean, this is, like, this is moving the story forward now. I feel like this is sort of where our... Like, is this where like our act one break would be? If yeah, this was, I like, feel a like normal this screenplay? is basically what you would call the uh, the end of act one, and the next scene is probably the break into two, which is when she gives him the first assignment. So I think the next thing that we're gonna be tackling is basically going to be act two. I mean, this isn't structured exactly like a movie in that sense, but I think that's a good way to think about it anyway. This is going to be the middle part of the story where it's, um, you know, a sequence of challenges. They're going to each get harder. They're going to each get him closer to his supposed goal. And then as our listeners know, he'll get derailed. <laughs> um, right. And then we completely deviate from any kind of, you know, standard structure at that point then we basically uh uh just kill our main character and start the story sort of over with the <laughs> the other character it's the sort of more central focus um so that's it, the end of uh that becomes the end of zoya's act one 
Right. The right. entire story before that becomes Zoya's Act One. Right. In a right. way. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And then, you know, she has a sort of truncated act two and then her act three is the is the act three of the of the book. <laughs> um so yeah, that's um coming up <laughs> and we'll be doing our best to stack through it as quickly as we can and we'll hopefully be bringing you more uh regular programming like this uh as we uh go along so thanks to everybody for listening and we will talk to you very soon thanks for listening this has been constellation making the graphic novel Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.